0: You each, and, and folks who are uh, streaming this, you have things to teach the church. Each child of God is given gifts, and, and I'm not just talking about things that are actually enumerated in the New Testament, I'm talking about your experience, I'm talking about what you have learned, I'm talking about your relationships, and your experience. Within the context of the Scripture, your experience can be understood, transmitted, transferred to others, and applied, and the church grows. All gifts to the children of God are for the church. They're not for us. They're not for me. They're not for any person. Uh, Although Jesus does save each person by their faith, Jesus is not our personal Savior. He is the King of glory. He is the King of the church. He is the King of his kingdom now and here. So um, what I want to talk about is a little bit of my stepping through some steps to come to feeling, and, and I think you're going to Uh, discern this, feeling rather emphatic about the reality, the concrete reality of the kingdom of God now. And I feel it's important because there are a lot of folks who are in churches right now within a few miles of here who do not believe that to be true. And that affects how they live They are taught the Sermon on the Mount doesn't apply, that the kingdom is suspended or postponed, that anything in the New Testament where the kingdom of God is mentioned is entirely future. This is not Vista's teaching. Uh, It's very rare for uh, anyone to stand here in front of you and talk about doctrine. But we do have doctrine, and... uh, the elders and the pastors and the board in conversation with all of us together, we affirm to you as the understanding of Vista Community Church that the kingdom of God is now. And not yet. We do not know, the Apostle John says, we don't know yet what we shall be, but we know what we are now. Uh, I've been a Christian. I recognized I was given the gift of understanding who Jesus really is 51 years ago. Anybody else? One hand? Fifty? Michael. Forty-five? Wow, y'all are so young. Uh, it is, it is a sort of a weighty thing. Um, and that occurred within a community. So from the beginning, I was aware, I was taught by people greater than me and smarter than me and more experienced than me and, and more steeped in the scriptures than me that this is a community thing. We are saved in community. We are the church. We are the kingdom of God. And, um, you know, you get books. Uh, We are so blessed now that even if you're not really an avid reader, you can listen. Uh, We have on-demand podcasts that are tremendous. We can pick things up. We can think them over. And uh, J.I. Packer was one. Uh, book that was given to me, Knowing God, A.W. Tozier. You ever read Tozier? I guess I can't put my hand over the mic. These are powerful things to teach you that Jesus is sovereign. The King of Glory is the King. He's the Creator, God. He is sovereign. <clears throat> my tendency is always to overthink, to over-philosophize it, to... Um, Rational, uh, reasonable thinking which isn't always the most productive thing. Uh, a friend of mine in grad school gave me a book by Richard Foster. You know this book, Celebration of the Disciplines? And one of the disciplines is some simplicity. Uh, the Spirit of God is simple in the way that He does things. He is not trying to be obscure or mysterious. The Lord is giving us lessons, and they're pretty easy to understand. They're just really hard to do. Uh, That's when I ran into uh, G.K. Chesterton. Thank you again to Adam for uh, saving two quotes for me because these are ones that he and I um, have run into before. Chesterton uh, was a, a British apologist and, and a fiction writer and all-around um, public Christian in uh, the first quarter of the 20th century. And he, he said, um, I'm sort of paraphrasing, I think the quote is up here. Um, it's not true that Christianity has been tried and found lacking. It's been found hard and not tried. The the kingdom of God is concrete and real, and it requires things. And simplicity is the way to approach it. That's not just simplicity in the way of life. I'm not Amish, although I can admire that um, aesthetic, but what I mean by that is thinking singly about the kingdom. Trying to turn down the noise. Trying to eliminate distraction. And it's hard. Very hard. And uh, going down that road you run into teachings from Assisi, from St. Francis, and uh, his focus on shalom. On the Idea that all things can be as they should be. Shalom is all things as they should be. It's the kingdom of God here and the kingdom of God not yet. So, shalom and simplicity imply something about a real kingdom of God. The phrase kingdom of God and um, related phrases kingdom of heaven, son of man. All of these are references to the kingdom being now, and they occur in the New Testament over 500 times. 500 uses of the concept of the kingdom of God uh, stated by Jesus, but also by the uh, um, epistle writers. It's not just Jesus' teaching, it's the teaching of the church. That's a lot. You can't really ignore that. Um, Pastor Mike said to me it's really not a good thing to discount anything Jesus said. Probably not going to lead in a good direction if you discount Jesus. And uh, the book of Mark is really about the kingdom. It starts uh, by saying that Jesus came proclaiming the kingdom of God. That's pretty powerful and that's the thesis statement of the book. It's upside down now. Uh, Jesus does a lot of parables that say, what can we say about the kingdom of God? Uh, What can we compare the kingdom of God to? And you know these parables. Uh, There's the parable of the lost sheep. The shepherd goes, finds the sheep, brings the sheep back, and there's rejoicing. That rejoicing is immediate. It's current. And the coin, which is the next parable, and the son, which is the so powerful picture of the father running out. And the rejoicing in these parables is immediate. Jesus says, The kingdom of God is like a small, tiny seed that is planted and it grows. And it starts growing right away, it's growing. Do I see it? Do we see it in the way that it's going to be in the the future? Not yet, but it is growing. It is here. It is immediate. The leaven works through the whole loaf immediately. It grows, and it's current and present. We find a treasure in a field, and we immediately go and sell everything so that we can have that field. So that we can join the kingdom of God. <clears throat> and in the epistles the kingdom of God is referred to always in the present tense. The verbs are present tense verbs. In Paul and in John and in Peter. Um, Paul in Galatians 2.20 is going to be on the screen here. It's talking about Visible and invisible, present and future. Ephesians 1 is a very long exposition about the fact that our place in Jesus, the blessings that we have in Jesus, what he has given us, are immediate. They are now. They are for the church. But even more than that, and here's something that's... I'm going to start waving my arms now. Uh, because it is so profound to say this, the gifts that we get, the gifts that we give through the church, they are to the praise of the glory of God. That's Ephesians 1. What is God doing in the church? He is bringing glory to Jesus. What is Jesus doing in the church? He is giving that glory back to the Father. What is the Spirit doing inhabiting the church? He is producing glory in front of a cloud of witnesses that includes us. It includes millions and millions and millions, hundreds of millions of people in the world today. In past, in future, the glory of God is the ultimate kingdom of God goal. That is what we are looking for. So, if we are going to do this, we need to engage in it. And it's hard. So, if we're reading Mark, and we have been reading Mark for, you know, it seems like about 14 years. If we're reading Mark, we're going to find something out about the kingdom. Mark 8, 34. It says, Who saves his life will lose it. But if you lose your life for Jesus' sake and the gospel's sake, will save his life. Whatever person is trying to protect themselves, to advance themselves, to gain social standing, to gain economic standing, To gain political standing. This sentence from the mouth of the Lord of the universe says you will lose your life. But if we give up our personal standing we will enter the kingdom of heaven. It's very hard. Um, Jesus says That entering the kingdom of heaven is like being a child. And you will read a lot of commentators um, with stuff about how children are innocent and pure and you have to be innocent. That's just not true. Um, (laughs) You just head back to KC, and if you aren't working in KC once a quarter and you need to find out what children are like, um, they are the most wonderful, miraculous uh, beings and they are not innocent. <laughs> Jesus is standing right there with a bunch of kids, and this happens more than once. It's it's like nobody's listening to him. You have to be like a child. What is it about children? Well there and Adam um, and Mike have both alluded to this already. The thing about children in the ancient world and throughout the world today is they are helpless. They are without protection. Uh, That's what Asia's Hope is about, for example. Cultures uh, elsewhere that treat children like commodities. And there's plenty of that in the United States. They are weak. We have to be weak to enter the kingdom. We have to need protection. If we don't recognize the fact that we need Jesus' protection, we cannot enter the kingdom of God. And this leads to a lot of dodging uh, amongst people. This is, uh, we could talk about what the historical origins of the teaching that the kingdom is entirely future and is not in, a, in effect, not in existence right now. We could, I'd be happy to do it a little bit academic, probably not suitable for talking on Sunday morning, but I will tell you this, it lets a lot of people off the hook of things that they should be doing. If the Sermon on the Mount is about the kingdom and the kingdom doesn't exist until the future, then the Sermon on the Mount doesn't apply to us, then we don't have to do those things. Well, what does the Sermon on the Mount say that we're supposed to be doing? If the kingdom is in effect, now for us as the church, then skipping pages. Um, we won't go through the whole Sermon on the Mount right now, but let's um, think about Matthew 5, um, starting with verse 3. These are the Beatitudes and they're very familiar to us but it's so easy to read them quickly uh, or to say I know about that and skip I find myself oh I've I've read this before skip read this the the scriptures are not um, a novel there's a narrative but it is an inspired narrative given to us by the Holy Spirit of God we cannot be skipping the poor in spirit am I poor in spirit I'm Probably not. Um, if I am mourning over the things of the world, over secular things, and I and I think many, many folks sitting here and and um, in the stream are mourning. <clears throat> Gentle. Righteous. Merciful peaceful, these will inherit the kingdom of God. It's frightening. And uh, there's a lot of dodging. uh, I think you have a a quote from Kierkegaard, and um, he basically says, you can read it, uh, he basically says, this is um, something to be taken seriously, but people don't, They, they cop out. He was writing a hundred years before Chesterton or so, and in a situation where the state church had essentially become a social organization and a a political organization and had lost its fervor for Jesus. It uh, no longer believed in the authenticity of the scriptures. It discounted the miraculous power of Jesus and his resurrection. And so... Uh, He says we need to get back to the truth about the kingdom of God. And that truth is stated by Jesus over and over. We have to be like children, weak. We have to recognize that we need him. And we have to express that amongst ourselves. And that leads to the second thing, which is we are servants. Several times in Mark 8, 9, and 10, Jesus is confronted with this roiling argument amongst the disciples, and it makes you kind of scratch your head. Well, how many times are these people going to do this and get told they're wrong and keep doing it? If you read Mark as a piece, you know, um, here's an interesting fact. If you printed the book of Mark like you would pick up a novel this size, regular old typeset, regular old pagination, it's about 20 pages long. It might, depending on the font, it could be 15 pages long. It's not very long. Yet we always cut it into pieces and we talk about this sentence and then we come back a week later, and talk about a different sentence. So a challenge for us, always in the culture of preaching that we have all grown up with, is to fight our way out into the whole context. There are few documents in the Bible, there are some, but there are few texts that are given to us by inspiration which we couldn't read in an hour. Even if we don't like reading very much, this is the Word of God. So, I challenge you, and there are even um, versions that are printed without the verses and chapters and all those headings and all that stuff that makes it 40 pages long instead of 20. See if you could find something like that and read it the way Mark wrote it, and the repetitive nature the teaching and reteaching and teaching again of these kingdom of God principles becomes so obvious. For example, we are not like the secular leaders. Um, the, the translation or, or the word in the text is Gentile, but that just means everybody who isn't Jewish, and Jesus is actually talking to Gentiles as well as to Jews, so he means, uh, some translations use the term pagan there, he means secular rulers, the state, um, bosses ever had a bad boss, ever be a bad boss, did you serve we are servants and he says that actually four times in the course of three chapters To these people who are saying, we want to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And this is summarized, Let, let me remind you about something. What we're reading here, what we're studying here, is taking place while Jesus is leading his disciples, the 12 plus others, men and women who are following him and have been, they are going up to Jerusalem. What's going to happen in Jerusalem? He keeps telling them, they don't listen to him. What's going to happen? In uh, Mark 10, we read about a healing. A blind man receives his sight outside of Jericho. That day, they walked up to Jerusalem. The next day is the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Jesus proclaimed king the next day. So this is very current. It's visceral. It's powerful. And the the disciples like us are missing the point. They're missing the point about uh, serving others. They're missing the point about letting others go first. And the the most absurd part of it, you will read that James and John went secretly. I don't know how far I can go this way before I'm out of the light. uh, They were sneaking, and they wanted to be on Jesus' right and left hand in his kingdom. And he told them, oh, no, that is not for you. Can you do what I'm doing? But you must serve. The Son of Man came to serve and be a ransom For many, is what Jesus says to them. Um, Think about the crucifixion for a second. This is a little bit of a rabbit trail. There is someone on Jesus' left and right side. Someone did partake in crucifixion with him, but it wasn't James and John or any of the 12. We need to take this seriously. It's hard, but it's true. The uh, story of the rich man is another example of this. And uh, it's been read many, many ways. Um, The rich man, as Mark calls him, and Matthew and Luke both mention the same event and we learn that he was a ruler. Um, The word is archon, which would be a, um, a person of standing in the synagogue. He's not, this is not a political um, position, it's a synagogue position. And he's young, Luke says. Whatever that means in um, first century Judaism. At least 13, but we don't know. And he's rich. And Jesus looks at him After the man has asked, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? He's asking, how can I enter the kingdom of God? He's he's heard Jesus teach, and he wants to join up. And Jesus says, well, here's what you have to do, sell everything. Keeping all the commandments, Jesus doesn't say to him, I don't believe you. You didn't do that. In fact, the text says Jesus loved him. But what was true is that this man wasn't sold out. The kingdom of God was not single in his mind. He was distracted. There was noise in his life. There were social commitments and standing to gain and of course his wealth. Sell everything you have and give to the poor. This is not a commandment for every single person to sell all they have. It depends on how you regard what you have. Is it stopping you from entering the kingdom? There's a lot of hyperbole in Mark 9 and 10. Jesus is forceful. If your hand stops you from getting into the kingdom of God, cut it off. Not easy, beloved. Jesus means it. We have to be single-minded. We are commanded by Jesus to serve. He is a servant and that is the model. There are lots of places outside of Mark where we learn this and we don't have time to go over them, but I will refer you to washing feet for quite a while. Our family was involved in a church where communion involved foot washing. And I, I would like to see that done, but I'm just not brave enough to propose it. The King of Glory took on the role of a servant. And not a high servant, not a steward or you know, some respected uh, household retainer. The lowest person. It's inconceivable. And that is what we must do. So we have to conceive of it and to conceive of that is to be under the teaching of the Holy Spirit of God. To serve. To free the captives. To lift up the oppressed. To feed and clothe the poor. To visit the prisoner. The thing that I think about with the rich young ruler, as, the, as he's called, is two things, actually. One is, we don't know his future, and there is hope, right? He came to Jesus. Things are happening, and he is going to know about the resurrection. Everyone heard of it. It's what the, they did with it. The, this young man had time, and Jesus challenged him, so we may have the, the joy of um, having lunch with him in the kingdom not yet come, and check it out the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey said. But the other thing about it is that I see a connection between this, and remember this has occurred just before they go up to Jerusalem, And then, during the week, between the triumphal entry and the arrest, Jesus teaches about the sheep and the goats in Matthew 25. And I think, and it's quite frightening to me, that the rich young ruler who had kept all the commandments um, was at the time Jesus spoke to him going to be separated out as a goat. It was not in the kingdom. It's very heavy. And there's lots of scary things in the New Testament, Uh, Sermon on the Mount. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the most righteous people who have ever lived, you aren't going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Now we can think our way through this and we understand what Jesus is doing, saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Yet, when you just read that sentence, or work out your salvation with fear and trembling. In, uh, in Ephesians 2. So what are we going to do with this? Here are two things I want to recommend to you. Uh, based on the fact that the kingdom is now. We talk a lot about Philippians 2, and it is uh, really the ethical statement of the, the kingdom. Uh, there's some translation questions in a couple of these sentences. It's usually rendered, do not merely look out for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. Um A lot of more modern scholarship says that the merely is stuck in there by the translator, that it isn't in the Greek, and that the sentence is better translated, do not look out for your own interests, but only for the interests of others. And that squares with what Jesus says. Everyone else before me. I'm not third. I'm last. And then, let's talk about 2 Corinthians 5. This is a manifesto. A manifesto of the kingdom of God that Paul is giving us. And it culminates in this set of instructions. We are citizens of heaven and subjects, servants in the kingdom of God. But we have been given a job. Kingdoms have ambassadors. An ambassador is a trusted servant who has been given specific instructions message to deliver the ambassador doesn't make up the message the ambassador is given instructions and they deliver the message and the message is been up there reconciliation not division not anger not hate not you're the other it's us against you, the message of the kingdom of God that we have been entrusted with and which we must deliver for our King is reconciliation. Be reconciled to Christ.